Hey, this is Dave Ryder from New Spring Church here in beautiful Perth, Western Australia. Really praying that this message is going to help you. If you'd like some more information about our story, just head to newspring.org.au. It was early 2008. I remember it was a particularly cold and wet day. Uh, Marnie and I were on holidays in Vienna in Austria and we found ourselves at the doorstep of the stunning Belvedere Palace. Now our reason for being there was that the palace had um, been converted into a museum and it housed a large collection of paintings from celebrated artists such as Monet, Renoir and Van Gogh. But our main reason for being there was to see the famed, well, the work of the famed artist Gustav, Gustav Klimt. One of his paintings, The Kiss, is Marnie's favourite, and in this particular museum it was on permanent display along with dozens of his other paintings. Now, like any gallery or museum, I walk around and I'm always reminded of how I'm too uncultured to understand or appreciate what's pretty much going on inside. But I remember that one of the things that struck me in this particular visit was that of the few dozen works of Gustav Klimt's on display, several remained unfinished. Some were mainly sketches with only a little bit of painting, some only had the background done, with the foreground left uncompleted. It was a fascinating insight into how he painted, but I can pretty much guarantee that when Klimt started each of his works, he had every intentions of completing them. But upon his death in 1918, for several of his paintings, that intention remained unfulfilled, unfinished. I remember several years later, only about four to five years ago now, I was working for the ambulance service and I was standing at the ambulance bay at Royal Perth Hospital and I was watching some paramedics work on a patient. And I was desperately trying to keep her alive. And I was struck by the reality that the lady on the stretcher, someone's daughter, potentially someone's wife or mother, I was struck by the reality that all of her intentions, all of her hopes and dreams and plans for the future would remain unrealised that they would remain unfinished. And that goes for each of us here in this room today. We all have hopes and we all have dreams. We all have intentions, whether good or bad. We all have plans. Now, some of those we will achieve. Some we will, we will, we will abandon or lose hope in. But there will be one day when we will pass from this life to the next 
and our work on this earth will remain uncompleted, unaccomplished, unfinished. We then come to the story of Israel, God's chosen people, walking in covenantal relationship with Yahweh. Now the heart of Israel's scriptures are the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Along with covering the legal outline of how a holy, set-apart people live in relationship with a holy God, the Torah tells the story of Israel's journey from slavery in Egypt through 40 years of nomadic life in the desert to the edge of the promised land. The heart of Israel's scriptures, however, ends in an uncompleted journey. It ends with unfinished business. Not yet in the promised land. Even for Moses, the people's leader, at the end of Deuteronomy, gazes at the promised land from a distance never to enter, unrealised, unfinished. And this is the story of Israel for the next 1,500 years, always on the cusp of something, whether it be a sacrificial system that ultimately is inadequate or them appointing rulers that ultimately prove to be corrupt and unfit. Through cycles of blessings and curses, we find them at the end of their scriptures, are people ruled by foreign powers with self-centred, corrupt religious rulers and a temple that is devoid of its former glory and empty of the presence of God. A covenantal people who are full of promise, but are ultimately broken and beaten. Their journey with God, unfinished. And then we come to the life and work of Jesus. We see a life that was lived with purpose. Even seemingly unplanned events or interactions had meaning. Now, by today's standards, Jesus died a relatively young man, only early 30s, and by every estimation, only had about three years of public active ministry. I've often heard it said of people who die young or in their prime, something along the lines of, what a waste. They had so much more to offer. And this is an acknowledgement that many of their intentions and plans for the future will go unrealised or unfinished. Can this be said of Jesus? Relatively young, at the height of his public ministry, brutally tortured and murdered. Did his intentions go unrealised? Were his plans unfinished?
I'm reading from John chapter 19, starting at verse 1. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers also twisted together a crown of thorns, put it on his head, and clothed him in a purple robe. And they kept coming up to him and saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and were slapping his face. Pilate went outside again and said to them, Look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know I find no grounds for charging him. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and a purple robe. Pilate said to them, Here is the man. When the chief priests and temple servants saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! Pilate responded, Take him and crucify him yourselves, since I find no grounds for charging him. We have a law, the Jews replied to him, and according to that law he ought to die because he made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was more afraid than ever. He went back into the headquarters and asked Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus did not give him an answer. So Pilate said to him, Do you refuse to speak to me? Don't you know that I have the authority to release you and the authority to crucify you? You would have no authority over me at all, Jesus answered him, if it hadn't been given to you from above. This is why the one who handed me over to you has the greatest sin. From that moment, Pilate kept trying to release him, but the Jews shouted, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Anyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus outside. He sat down on the judge seat in a place called the Stone Pavement, but in Aramaic, Gabbatha. It was the preparation day for the Passover and it was about noon. Then he told the Jews, here is your king. And they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Pilate said to them, should I crucify your king? We have no king but Caesar, the chief priest answered. Then he handed him over to be crucified. Then they took Jesus away. Carrying the cross by himself, he went out to what is called a place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and two others with him, one on either side, with Jesus in the middle. Pilate also had a sign made and put it on the cross. It said, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city and it was written in Aramaic, Latin and Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, don't write king of the Jews, but that he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate replied, what I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four parts, a part for each soldier. They also took the tunic, which was seamlessly woven in one piece from the top. So they said to one another, let's not tear it, but cast lots for it to see who gets it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled that says, they divided my clothes among themselves 
and they cast lots for my clothing. This is what the soldiers did. Standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple he loved standing there, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciples took her into his home. After this, when Jesus knew that everything was now finished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I'm thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was sitting there, so they fixed a sponge full of sour wine on a, on a hyssop branch and held it up to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. Then bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. From Jesus' own mouth, at the end of his earthly life, he declared, It is finished. So my question is, what? What is finished? Now, the land of Israel is a gold mine for archaeologists. Thousands of years of history, both living and buried in one small geographical location. And over the years, they found thousands of papyrus scraps with Greek writing on them. Many of these papyrus scraps are sort of mundane commercial documents, the sale of goods and services, receipts. And on many of them, they have found an abbreviation of a specific Greek word, tetelestai. And this word indicates that the debt had been paid in full, that the obligation is complete. In John chapter 19, verse 30, before Jesus gives up his spirit, he says this word, tetelestai. The obligation is complete. The debt has been paid in full. It is finished. And not only that, the nature of this word tells us, or that Jesus uses, tells us that whatever has been paid, whatever Jesus has finished, was not only finished in the past, but it also remains finished and will continue to be finished into the future. As I said before, Jesus had a purpose. And in John chapter 17, verse 4, Jesus prays to the Father, I have glorified you on the earth by completing the work that you gave me to do. What was the work that Jesus had? He came to proclaim the good news. He came to call sinners. He came to seek and save the lost. He came that the world might be saved. He came to do the Father's will to keep, save and resurrect believers. He came to fulfill the law. He came for judgment. 
He came to give abundant life. He came as a light to the world. He came to bear witness to the truth. It is finished that the will of God had been fulfilled, that the incarnate God be exposed to shame and reproach and suffer much and die. It is finished that the work his father gave him to do was completed, to preach the gospel, to work miracles and obtain eternal salvation for his people, all of which were now done. It is finished that the whole righteousness of the law was fulfilled, that a holy nature assumed, that perfect obedience was yielded and the penalty of death suffered. It is finished that the redemption from the curse and condemnation of the law was secured, that condemnation for sin was made an end of, that full atonement and, and satisfaction for sin were given. It is finished that a complete pardon obtained, that peace was made and redemption from all iniquity obtained, that all enemies were conquered. It is finished that all promises and prophecies were fulfilled and his own course of life ended. It is finished that what was done could not be undone, that what was completed could not be added to, that what was promised was fulfilled. It is finished. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, who finished the work that you were sent to do, we pray that you enable us through your Holy Spirit to be faithful to our call. Lord, I pray that you grant us the strength to walk through the trials of this world and enable us to live and love faithfully so that we might also become good news to the world as your witnesses. We thank you for the mystery of the cross and we eagerly anticipate your coming again. Amen. I would now like to invite you to partake in communion with us. We have four, well, three stations, one here, one over there and one in the middle. Um, I would ask that you come, tear off a small piece of bread, take a, a little thing of juice and then go back to your seat and hold on to them um, and we'll take communion together while the band plays.
the bread, receive the cup For His mercy is enough For the many and the one This is communion Take it as often as you will For His blood has power still By His wounds we shall be healed this is communion As they were eating, Jesus took bread blessed it and broke it and gave it to his disciples saying take and eat this is my body giving thanks he gave it to them and said drink from this all of you for this is my body of the covenant this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins but i tell you i will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when i drink a new wine with your with my with you in my father's kingdom service this morning and we look forward to seeing you on Sunday.